1: This roast beef. all right, everybody. Welcome to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema. It's me, it's Sammy. I'm back. I don't have my good buddy Will with me this week. He is on vacation, he is not in France. Uh, my the dialect or accent or whatever the hell I was trying to do right there dictates that, but he is in Italian, he's, he's in Italy and uh, with his family. And if you follow him on Facebook, you'll see lots of photos, lots of good times, and lots of calories. It seems, um, but I did bring along two fine gentlemen who I just, uh, did a podcast with a couple podcasts with, <laughs> because, uh, it's a very incestual relationship between us, but, uh, I brought the not of bomb boys over Troy and Brad. How's it going guys?
2: Great. I- I'm excited to be here.
3: Same. Thank you for having us
2: again.
1: Yep. I'm wondering, it's been a
3: while, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you guys broke you guys broke the rating system last time we oh, were here. I,
3: yes, we did. Every time we come on we give Tens,
1: so we had so. to give a we had to get a hard reset before we could get you guys back in. It took a little while.
2: No, I, th- I think I think we corrected it last time, and instead of doing a ten, we gave like a nine seven five because okay. it was okay. you know yeah. Enter the Ninja
1: two. <laughs> I mean that's a, that's pretty good. Revenge but, of the Ninja. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. I mean that's still a pretty great one. It's, anyway.
3: a <laughs> it's a perfect film. Some would argue it's <laughs> a perfect film.
1: So we are discussing this week uh, a little Hong Kong nugget from 1990 known as Fatal Termination. Yes. Directed by one Andrew Cam. Uh, of course, I don't have it. Uh, the Chinese uh, name up here in front of me. Uh, Troy, do you have that uh, handy? Do you have that memorized? Yung Wang Cam? There we go. I knew I could rely on you for such things, and
2: like,
3: uh, thank God he asked Troy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, this film, um, some of you may know it, some of you may not, um, but uh, we will talk about why you may know it as we kind of go along, and uh, we'll talk about you know this era of Hong Kong films and and uh, how it goes and uh, the cast and everything. It's a pretty crazy cast. Um, some people I had to. Kind of go back and check on, and I'm like, was that who I thought it was? Was that Ray Lou? Oh, I think it was Ray Lou. Was that uh, Chung Kwok Lung? I think it was Chung Kwok Lung.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of people in this film. There we'll is. talk about whether or not that works or not, but there, this this is a pretty stacked film in terms of cast.
1: Yeah, even Robin Chow uh, shows up. Uh, he, uh, was, wasn't, was he in one of the Mortal Kombat films? I'm pretty Mortal sure he was Kombat, in both of them. He was
3: in both of them. Yeah, yeah.
1: There you go. Uh, Luke King. There you go. So anyway, a lot of people, including a little uh, uh, kind of kind of a spoiler for, or not a spoiler, but a uh, kind of a little tease, a GGTMC favorite is in this one, playing a very pivotal role where he holds a child. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, My God. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he's GGTMC forever, that guy. Anyway, um, so... How have you guys been? I know you guys have been great because I just talked to you all day today, all day yesterday, and probably all day the day before. But uh, what's been going on over Not A Bomb? You, wanna, you guys want to give uh, our listeners a little bit of update on what's been going on, how things have been going on over there, in case there's nobody cross-pollinating and listening to each other's shows?
3: I will start off on Saturday. We released an episode of Breaking Brad, and for your listeners who don't know what that is, Troy, Sammy, and Jose of Watch Get Plus try to find the worst films possible and see if they can break me. It was officially uh, the eighth episode, and we broke everybody. And we kind of looked, looked at each other and said, you know what? I don't know if we like film anymore. Uh, it took me a little while to, to wash that off of me. And luckily, I got to watch this film. Cause I had to, and then that got me back into the swing of things. So yeah. I think I've recovered from love on a leash, um, but it was a rough one. It Ooh. was very rough. Ooh, if good. you want to hear rough, like a dog, get it. Um, <laughs> rough, rough. <laughs> if you want to hear our conversation, just head over to any of your pod catchers that you love and you can find that episode. And then before that, Troy, is that champion? Do we do champion before that?
2: Yeah, we did Don Lee. Uh, yeah. Lee was over for that one. We had a, we had a full cast on on that. So, uh, yeah, we used the Don Lee clause, which allows us to talk about any Don Lee film, regardless of whether or not it uh, bombed at the box office or the critics. You know, it didn't matter what they thought. It was Don Lee film. We were going to talk about it. So we've, we pulled it one other time at the outlaws. But uh, we I, I I think that was my pick. And I was really desperate to talk about that one. Um,
3: You've been pushing that one for a, lo- a long time. I had seen it when you had basically said you need to watch this film. I did, um, and watched it again. Um, and then Sammy, I know you've seen it a few times as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, big Lee I mean, fan. It, it makes obviously. me
3: it makes me cry every time I see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the inverse of Love on a Leash. It
3: it is it is. Um, and then <laughs> coming up, if you're hearing this episode in a few days, you will get to hear. Troy and I discuss Batman mask of the phantasm. Nice. Cause that just came out on 4k and Troy and I were both very excited to discuss that one.
2: Sweet.
1: Yes. Yeah. So love and unleash kind of give my listeners who don't listen to bomb, uh, not a bomb, the, um, uh, kind of idea. I, I had actually said that, you know, I hadn't watched a movie since I watched that and it was true. It was a true <laughs> statement. Now I had to watch a movie for this show to record. So I had to watch fatal termination Thankfully, it was something like Fatal Termination. But uh, to kind of go back, to give you guys a kind of a sneak kind of behind the scenes, I wanted to find a film that loves cinema as much as it loves, well, a film about the love of cinema. So I remembered you guys talking about Hugo, and I remember saying I needed to rewatch it. So I've been watching that on 4K today and uh, hoping that will find rejuvenate my love of movies because Love on a Leash pretty much erased from my mind that Martin Scorsese was ever born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it it really
2: makes you question your choices in life at some point when you're like, what, what did I do to get to this point where I'm watching this film and uh, why? Yes. Yeah, Choy has, Choy has dedicated three hours of his entire life
3: to love on a Leash as well. He's seen it twice.
2: I, I did. The first time I saw it, I'm like, well, this is going to be the one that, that breaks Brad. I, I just didn't anticipate all the collateral damage that would occur as a result of it.
1: I don't know that I'd ever watch it again, even in a room to show somebody how bad it is. Like, I'd be like, I'm going to show you how bad this movie is, but I must leave. Yeah, I got it. I'll be (laughs) back in an hour and a half. (laughs) I'll be back to see you, but I will not Uh, be in this room when this happens.
2: And I got to say, I I mean, the the next one coming up, uh, Labor Pains with Lindsay Lohan, I hear is terrible. (laughs) We've got Jose to thank for that one. And uh, the rest of the ones, which are announced as we record those Mm -hmm. uh yeah they're they're doozies man (laughs) i'm nobody nobody's gonna like me by the end of when this is all over
1: we'll be fine we'll we'll survive somehow but we'll see but yeah so that's what we those guys have been up to and obviously i've been a big part of that and then you know bringing them back over here and to give everybody a little bit of inside information, I do. I, I kind of wanted to bring everybody along, the Watch Skip guys and this, but it's kind of hard to work that out, as you can imagine. So Watch Skip, I'm going to try to get both of those guys on next week while we're still out of town. So we'll see what happens. I'll announce what we're going to be covering because at least I know at least half of them will show up, <laughs> one half yeah. of them, but uh, I don't know for sure the scheduling of the other gentlemen. So we will see, and then I'll talk about what that is at the end of the show. All right, all that stuff out of the way. What have we been watching? Who wants to go first? I don't care. Whichever one of you guys wants to talk, go for it, Brad.
3: Okay, uh, I have. I'll, I'll do three quick ones. Real uh, three quick ones. Real quick. Um, <laughs> so I watched uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem from this year. Okay. Um, I watched it with my son, who is going on seven years old, and he absolutely loved it. Of course, it borrows very heavily from spider-verse films the the animation style is very different um very hip-hop infused very hip-hop um inspired but the best thing they do here is the turtles are voiced by all like kid voice actors and you can tell they're children and it really plays really well um jeff Rowe, who is uh the director also did the mitchells versus the machines that film that came out on netflix a few years
1: ago yeah i like that i love
3: that movie and i really liked um mutant mayhem a lot so i'm you know you have those movies where you see and the director's got like he's new and he's got like two films that you're like okay you hit both of these out of the park i think the next thing you do i'm putting it at the top of the list i he might be going up on the list for me um, I really I really enjoyed it. So if you're a mutant a two days ninja turtle fan, or you like into the spider-verse or anything like that, I think you should check it out. Um, we've watched it twice in the past week. So my, my son really digs it and I like it a lot too.
0: Nice.
3: Um, and we all know when you have kids and you're forced to watch things over and over, um, <laughs> if it's good, you don't mind it as much. Yes. Um so this one is one that I am okay seeing over and over again. Um <laughs> On the Criterion channel, I was flipping around and I saw the 1998 science fiction science fiction horror film directed by Robert Rodriguez uh, with a screenplay, screenplay by the one, the only Kevin Williamson. It is the faculty. So I watched, oh, uh, that. I watched that.
2: Yeah, Will, um, Will talked about this, uh, yeah. I think, an episode or so ago.
3: Yeah, that's and that's why it kind of kicked that off for me, um, thinking about that. I was just surprised it was on the criterion channel Poor Josh Hartnett. Like I'm so glad that he got his, his due in Oppenheimer because you look at him in this film and he's got the worst haircut of all time. Um, and I, I will say Hartnett is aged very well. I think he looks way better now than he ever did. Um, especially because of that haircut. Um, but I remember
2: that uh, guy, Ritchie film from this year.
3: The uh, Wrath, of Fortune. yeah, and he's also good in Wrath of Man, right? In in that as well. Oh, was he? Yeah,
2: I just I just remember this year he he had. A he's having
3: of a little bit of a renaissance. I like yeah. it, um yeah. but uh it, this one, uh, the faculty suffers from being post-scream and and being that Kevin Williamson uh, script that it just mm, I don't know. Like Selma Hayek's in this movie for like five minutes. It doesn't. Really worked for me, but the nostalgia kind of picks it up a bit. Um, seeing uh, what's the ain't it cool news guy?
0: Oh, know, Harry all. Knowles, yeah,
3: Harry Knowles is in this kind of around here, and you're just like, Boy, this ages poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but uh, but Harvey Weinstein's like involved in this film too, so it's like. If you're the, yeah, s- the sec- I mean, second most uh, <laughs> predatorial person on set, that's pretty bad. It's, so.
1: a, it's a moment on time. It's a moment in time. No doubt.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, because I didn't catch it in theaters and I live in the area of one, Jennifer Lawrence, I had to watch no hard feelings, um, the sex comedy from this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I found it really funny and really watchable and I like it a lot. Um, I think Jennifer Lawrence, is a fantastic uh, actress and i think she's really naturally funny Mm -hmm. um you know as soon as you cross the border in kentucky they give you a uh a hunger games dvd and now they'll probably put no hard feelings as well because she is the uh the one pride and joy of our state. um but yeah i i really liked it i think um sex comedies are weird in 2023 and This had some moments, but I think for overall, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I might be biased because of Jennifer Lawrence, but I liked it. Has anyone seen this one yet?
2: I I want to. I I actually ordered it this weekend because somebody else uh, I ran into at the Oktoberfest was talking about it. And I, I was watching this one really closely over the summer. It bombed, but I was hoping it had
3: the, legs, dude. It made almost ninety million dollars.
2: Oh, it did. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it uh, came out really weak. That that's awesome. I I I was really hoping that would sort of bring back uh, more of that adult type comedy that seems to have been missing in in a little bit of a political correct Hollywood environment.
3: Yeah, the rated R comedy, and plus, like the parents of the kid are cryptocurrency parents, which is like. <laughs> Both of those age really weirdly, Um, but I think I think Lawrence can like carry a film because basically this movie only works because of her.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Forty five million budget, eighty seven million. So good. I mean,
1: she's a movie star, right? And uh, this is a. I thought when I saw this film coming out, this is a bit of a risky one in a way because it's a, it's a bit of a gamble for her to go to adult rated comedy and it seems like actresses i mean i don't maybe this is just me but it seems like i always get the vibe that actresses when they reach like a peak they either start doing like really strong female horror based films or they try their hands at kind of safe comedy kind of big budget kind of PG-13 safe comedy this everything i've heard about this one I mean, it's hard R and I admire that swing and I like Jennifer Lawrence too. I mean, I I live in the area and it's easy to kind of, kind of poo poo on all that and stuff, but I think she's actually really talented. I thought she's talented since the first time I saw her. I mean, the camera loves her and she seems to be able to do it all. So agreed. looking forward to seeing it. I have not seen it yet though. It's
3: uh, it's funny. I I saw in an interview with her, not the one where she's talked about, female she was the only female superhero lead whatever um but she was talking about since her nude pictures were found on the internet that she was gonna like lean into the turn a little bit like red sparrow she gets naked a lot in this one she's naked too so she's kind of like look it's already out there yeah so i might as well just do it look
1: that doesn't bother that doesn't bother me at all
3: no but she's (laughs) it's empowering to her and i respect that yeah no one wants to see me naked but we want to see her naked i guess that's
1: true <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. <laughs> well, speak
2: for yourself. I've seen you naked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun with that one. Uh no, they, I, I agree. Uh I i- I just admire, you know, I I just want to get back to a time and I think we kinda are. I think we're starting to see the shift. You know, Oppenheimer, this is more of a conversation typically for your show, but I mean we we talk about movies as well. You know, Oppenheimer's closing in on a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah, across $900 million this weekend. And that's insane for a movie that is made for adults. It's not. Three hours, hours
2: long. I grossing biopic, I think. Oh, it has well, to be.
1: It has to be. I can't oh, it, think of another it, it, one. It can't even be close. Avatar, maybe. But other than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, I think we're starting to see a shift where audiences are maturing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I know a lot of times I'll talk about comic book films and stuff like that. I still think there's room for comic book films. I just think they need to slow down a little bit, kind of reevaluate what they're doing, get some quality control in there and just, you know, kind of take a step back, maybe even, uh, you know, shudder to think of the thought, but maybe pass it off to some people with some talent. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You <laughs> well, know?
3: it would be nice if they actually let directors do stuff. And
1: yeah, that would be you nice begin
3: to begin to wonder, like everything's so pre-biz on that stuff. Like what are directors yeah. even directing?
1: Yeah. I think that they're just there to control the animal. Cause yeah. it's, it's just a huge beast, you know, and, uh, they got to control that. It's basically, um, management. That's all it is. I don't know if it's creativity oh. as much as it's management.
3: <laughs> you said superhero film. I remembered I watched the flash earlier this week and completely forgot it. Like that's how fast I well, forgot about that. Film. You,
1: you forgot it in a flash. That's bad. I did. Yep. That's bad. I still like that one. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on the, I'm on one of the rare ones. to like that one. So. I
2: I can't wait to revisit it. I, yeah. I can tell you when I saw it in the theater, I was I was extremely disappointed. Yeah,
1: I still like that one. I don't think it's perfect. Don't get me wrong. Certainly don't think that. Jeez, it's a mess. The Zod <laughs> character alone. Me and my brother were talking about that today. Like what a fumble that is. Anyway, uh, okay. Is that everything, Brad? It is. All right, Troy. What have you been up to? I know some of what you've been up to, but
2: yeah, uh, I'll I'll start with a film. That actually has some similarities to the movie we're going to talk about tonight. And it was a first time watch. I'm, I, we've talked about this several times. If, if you are a Hong Kong or Asian action cinema fan, there really is no better time to be alive right now. I, I feel like because I'm seeing stuff being released uh, by major studios and independent studios that I would have never thought was going to see light of day or it's just going to be like stuck out there on, on VCD or laser disc, but vinegar syndrome put out a Ringo lamb film called undeclared war. I'd never seen this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, it stars Danny Lee and one Vernon Wells, who blows up a little kid with a hand grenade, which <laughs> blew my mind. That's in the first five minutes of the film. <laughs> um, Man, that movie is crazy. Uh, and And it's, it really solidifies the fact that Vernon Wells is one of the greatest <laughs> bad guys on screen of all time. He is. He, he is in rare form in this one, too.
1: I would say that most people that listen to our show know who he is, but uh, probably his most popular role. Well, I, I guess it comes down to two, really. And that's Bennett in uh, Commando and the Mohawk crazy G-string wearing bike rider, homosexual bike rider in uh, Road Warrior. Yeah, and if you, you want to see him in disguise as an old Chinese man,
2: then undeclared <laughs> war is for you. Yeah.
1: He's a he's a he's a character in real life too, from what I understand. He's quite the character.
2: We we, we met him. Ringo Ringo Lamb. Ringo Lamb directed it, yeah. All right. Uh my daughter and I met him at one of the the Lexington horror conventions or something. He was a super sweet guy. Yeah, he's real he
1: nice. Was, yeah, he's a real nice guy. Just, uh, a, just a bit of an odd duck sometimes, that's what I'll say.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, I, I went back and, uh, I've been on a Conan, the barbarian comic kick Yeah, uh, especially since I was at uh Baltimore comic-con and picking up some old savage sort of Conan magazines. Nice. And, uh, I, I want, I didn't want to watch Conan, the barbarian, but I wanted to watch sword and sorcery. So I went back and watched, um, 85's red Sonya, which has Schwarzenegger in it. That, that movie. <laughs> It's it's so odd but it's so much fun. Yeah. It it is a blast. And I know there's a 4K floating around from Germany or Italy or something like that, hmm. but I'm hoping it gets a a proper release over here with all the bells and whistles. Somebody's got to pick that up and do it.
1: It's interesting. I need to revisit that. I haven't seen it in a long time, but man, I remember watching that on cable a lot.
2: Yeah, it was it was cool. Um, The last two I'll talk about, which uh, one of these I'd never seen before. And again, it is a uh, film from uh, independent label, Severn Film, something that I had heard about, but I did not know we get uh, the release that it got. But it was 1984's Warriors of the Year 2072, directed by I think it's Lucio Fulci. Uh, Yes, it's it's basically a running man ripoff. (laughs) <laughs> uh and it is a blast i mean it's I bought that i bought that at horrorhound this year troy yeah it's have you watched it yet uh, yeah okay yeah i i only heard about it but I didn't put tune two together to understand that they were basically just doing a um a running man rip off with with Fred williamson too mm-hmm. so um man so much fun and then the one that I watched today which i'd always been a fan of and it got a special release um and, and there's there's three of these films the first one's the best the other two i I don't I'm not a fan of but it's Benny Chan's moment of romance ah. so it's the it's the triad film uh it is produced by Johnny Toe and Ringo Lamb. It's said that Benny Chan directed half the film and Johnny Toe as an experienced director of that time in comparison to Benny Chan kind of finished it. But um, it's the film, I mean, Andy Lau was, was pretty popular at that time period, but when that thing came out, it just skyrocketed him to, to just pure stardom. And it was Johnny Toe's, I think, first hand at producing um, as well. But a, as Hong Kong, especially in that time period, was making all these triad films, et cetera, I, I would have to say A Moment of Romance is like one of the better ones, if not one of the top ones to come out of that era. Uh, and it and it certainly sort of so, solidifies that Benny Chan was um, always one of my favorite directors, mm. and it was sad to, to lose him too. Uh, what did
3: you say you got that? Because I haven't seen this. I need to. I need to see this.
2: Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's uh oh I Radiance Films. I can't remember. There, there's a nice special edition that just got released of it, maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, cool. But Hamilton Books actually has it for twenty one dollars. I think.
3: I'm sorry, Troy. It's singular. Hamilton Book.
2: Sorry, Hamilton book.com has it on sale for $21 if you want to buy it from Amazon. Nice. Yeah, that was uh that was my uh, movie escapades for this week.
1: Sweet. Well, as you know, I didn't, I didn't watch much because uh, Love on a Leash destroyed <laughs> <Broke> my, you <laughs> destroyed my love of cinema for at least 2 or 3 days and uh <laughs> I just I was spent. I was like, "Wow. I mean, I really struggled to get through that thing." But uh, I did rewatch another film that you know was one of my favorite documentaries of the last five or six years, and uh, that's a fellow podcaster, Jay Cheel, from over at Film Junk, his uh, film How to Build a Time Machine, which is one of my favorite documentaries ever. It's just a great documentary about a gentleman who used to work in the entertainment business. He used to work um, on Pee Wee's Playhouse and some other stuff, stop motion animation and things. And he just, uh, he loved the original 1960 film, The Time Machine. And he just wanted to make the time machine. He wanted to recreate the time machine itself, the actual physical prop. But he wanted to do it using real material. Brass, crystal, metal, steel, everything you can think of that and make it a real machine. And uh, it kind of goes through this kind of arduous process of all that. But what it really is about is kind of this obsession people have with fixing things from the past and how that's not ever gonna be possible. Well, we think never gonna be possible. But what makes it's it's kinda of like one of those human traits, right? It's it's like we we sit around and we think about mistakes we've made, things we've done correctly, you know, blah blah blah. Whereas it's debatable if any other creatures on the planet ever think about anything they've done five minutes ago. Uh, we're one of the few that actually does that. So, um, it's, it's interesting to me to kind of think and think about that and kind of use movies as a part of that thought process. And I, I happen to love the time machine from 1960. It's one of my favorite films. Uh, I watched it a lot growing up. It's not a great film. It, it's a good film. It's not a great film, but man, I love that movie. Uh, Rod Taylor and, uh, that time machine in particular, and, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy good documentary. One of vinegar Syndrome's uh, partner labels put it out and I just had to get it. And, uh, I'm glad I did because, uh, I want to, you know, hang on to this thing forever and, uh, be able to rewatch it. Cause I mean, it, for me, this is like one of those films that I'll rewatch over and over and over again for years to come. It's that good. So
2: I I, I will watch it. it. I I bought it at the last sale. I I haven't watched it. I've only seen Jay's other documentary, the um oh, the the sort of jackass, Canadian jackass. (laughs) Yeah, beauty uh,
1: Beauty Day. Yeah.
2: Beauty Day. Yeah, that one.
1: Yeah, that one. That one's pretty good too, though. (laughs) It's really good. Yeah, no, he's a really good documentary filmmaker. And uh he's for those who are not familiar with you know, he does the film junk podcast and he's been podcasting for longer than I have, but he uh also did the uh, the cursed film series which is on shutter and stuff um uh, so some people might be familiar with that but a very good uh, very good filmmaker and uh, hopefully he'll get to make some more films cuz i like his uh, touch i like he's got a really nice touch but uh, yeah. so that is all i got um i think that's it i think that's the the intro to this little little show we do so we're going to take a short break. No, this or that. I know, I know some of you guys love that stuff, but with that, it's mostly Will's baby and I'm so terrible at planning. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Plus, I've had way too much to drink, but uh, and way too much uh, hot wings, lemon pepper hot wings uh, has nothing to do with it. But anyway, they were delicious. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll come back. We'll start discussion on fatal termination. We'll be back right after this.
2: Water change it brings me a thousand tears. Prince of darkness, they walk through the rays of light. To this beautiful vampire.
1: Hi right, everybody, welcome back. We are going to talk about Fatal Termination now. Now, this film kind of came up as a review possibility. I had asked, you may have heard me say this in the intro. I may have said it, maybe repeat myself. That's okay. I'm a 50-year-old man doing a podcast on a Sunday night. But... Uh, Troy had watched it and I'd seen this ages ago because of a YouTube clip. There's a very famous YouTube clip out of there called uh, Hong Kong crazy stunt or something like that. And in this YouTube clip, <laughs> there is a, uh, well, we'll talk about the scene in a little bit, but it, it's just quite, it's quite the clip. And you think to yourself, surely this doesn't actually exist. This is just kind of made up, but you would be wrong because Hong Kong cinema for those who don't know, and I'm assuming a lot of people who listen to this show do know, uh, in the eighties and early nineties was a bit like the wild, wild West. It was a bit like, uh, everybody trying to one up everybody in some ways. And, uh, so there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, you heard Troy kind of talk about in the intro with, um, the discussion of the Ringo Lamb film. Uh, this all, all bets were off with Hong Kong cinema around this era. And that's just, you know, one of the golden things about it, we don't, you know, as as film fans, we don't know if we'll ever see this kind of era of Hong Kong cinema again, but, um, there's always hope. Like there's always hope there'll be the seventies again, or the nineties independent boom, or maybe the eighties nostalgic boom or whatever, but maybe not. Maybe there'll be another era of cinema coming along. Anyway, let's get into this fatal termination, 1990 directed by one yung Wah Kim or Andrew Cam. uh, starring uh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher some of these names yeah you know, troy's one usually butchers now na- i'm gonna butcher some too
2: i butcher i butcher every name i come across so
1: <laughs> yeah so we got uh chung Qua, uh chung Kwok lung uh <laughs> we got uh philip Ko. he's easy to say uh for those of you who don't know philip Ko, he's been in a lot of films you, you probably do know him
3: legendary mustache
1: legendary yes uh danny danny Lau his officer Lau. it's original uh, Lee chun he's in here. Uh, Ray Lu is in here. I hope I'm getting these names right. <laughs> Robin Xiao. Uh Moon Lee, the great Moon Lee, uh, pops up in here.
3: What's her name in the film, oh, was, uh, Sammy? <laughs> moon. <laughs> moon.
1: <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> you know, you got to keep it easy. You got to keep it easy for everybody. Like, who is that? That's Moon Lee. Oh, right, we'll just call her Moon. Uh, and the great Simon Yam is in here as well. And uh, a couple pivotal players in this film, and, and forgive me if I don't mention a couple of people, uh, Troy, uh, I, I'm just kind of going through. Although I don't know if I don't know Colin Chung from anything else. He plays Small Devil in this, but I don't know if I know him from anything else. I am probably, I'm probably do. But uh, two of the most the people that need to be talked about the most in this film, one for the podcast purpose, the other just for what happens, uh, Chan Chuk-Yan as Yan Yan, or Yan Yan, or the little girl, and uh, GGTMC favorite, Mike Abbott. Uh, pops up who was the bad guy in some great Christopher Mitchum films. And, uh, he plays Mr. Coe's man in this. And, uh, he is, <laughs> he is in the movie for maybe five to 10 minutes, but, uh, you'll never forget those five to 10 minutes for as long as you live.
3: <laughs> I always remember him from, he was Hawking final score.
1: Yeah. Yes. 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 That's, uh, yes. There's a, uh, there's a GGTMC DVD of that out there somewhere. Yeah, there is with the commentary track and everything. I, I own it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it when you guys did that. Yeah. I'd love we'd love to do more of that. I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to, but we'd love to do more of that. It's a lot of fun. Um so uh Troy brought this up to cover and I thought why not? I mean, it is definitely uh GGTMC type material. Not that we have a basically a genre that we cover really or really an angle, but it does kind of fit the angle because this film has become quite the cult film. Um, if you look at it on IMDb, the poster that's on IMDb is maybe, maybe pound for pound, one of the most bland posters ever created. I mean, it's bad. That poster's bad. Um, but it, and, and when I say it's bad, it in no way sells what this movie does. Um, and I'm not saying this movie is, is the next coming of Christ, but... Uh, Brad, had you seen this before? Or I had
3: you? not. I had seen okay. the scene, okay, but I had never seen oh. it because it's <laughs> this film. Unfortunately, isn't the easiest thing to track down, but it also is because if you just type it into YouTube, you can watch <laughs> the whole damn thing. Yeah. I just never thought. To, I, I don't know. I just never did it.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you know, the, on, YouTube has come to save the day quite a bit for me um, over the years. Um, it's just an easier way to. Watch films somewhat legally. Um, obviously, it's not completely legally, but uh, you know, just easier than downloading films and stuff. It's
3: like nineteen nineties, like Hong Kong crime films, or is like one of my favorite genres. So I don't know why I just never, never saw this.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going by the poster, you probably never would have watched it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, the cast, it. maybe the cast, maybe well, the cast would have
3: done it. It's,
2: it's get, it'll get lost in the shuffle too. I mean, when when you hear Moon Lee's in this film. I think most people will go, oh, I'm gonna watch one of the many angel films that she's in mm-hmm. with like Yukari Yoshima or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this just outside of that scene is really one of the films that kind of get gets lost in the insane amount of product that they were putting out at this time period. Because um one of the things and you know, I just talked about one of the movies I watched today, a moment of romance. Go back and look at like Andy Lau's filmography. I mean, that guy was making four movies, five movies a year. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. He's he's knocking on like two hundred credits right now. Yeah, uh, but that specifically in like the late eighties to early nineties, um, especially before the Handover, they were cranking films out left and right, and they would shoot these things in a matter of weeks, and it would get released, and then they're on to the next one. Yeah. So I, I feel like this got lost in the shuffle, and you know. Hong Kong film industry, especially around that time period, really didn't concentrate on any kind of film preservation. And there's still thousands of films that to this day, you you probably won't see a DVD release because they're just sitting out there on VHS, LaserDisc, or VCD. I don't I was- know.
3: You say that, Troy, and then these things get like a beautiful restoration. You're like, I never thought I would see this film in 4K, but I am.
2: Yeah, I, well I I never thought that there would ever be a special edition Blu-ray of this film. Exactly. Um in and, and a small studio I think out of uh I think I I got to do some research on this. I think it's out of Maryland like in Baltimore. Error 4, 4444 had put this Blu-ray copy out. It sold out instantly. Um but yeah, this is this is one I just never thought it would get the treatment or or release that it. it did.
1: Yeah. And Andrew Cam uh the director he he made a few films uh Donnie Yen film uh uh i want to say high voltage i think is what it was i think it's called asian uh, it's called asian cop high voltage mm-hmm. uh and a few other things but i don't really know i mean the big heat yeah the big heat i think the swordsman
2: a, it honestly his he's an okay director he's yeah. he he probably if you look at his assistant directing credits you'll see more things that you recognize out of it than his primary directing stuff.
1: It's interesting though, uh, that he didn't direct more because I mean, he has, I mean, he just doesn't have a whole lot of credits in general though. It's like he worked in the eighties and nineties and he just kind of went away. Yeah. But hero shed no tears, the protector, stuff like that. Peking opera blues. He was assistant director on that. So he was surrounded by talent. I mean, he knows what he was doing. Um, we'll talk about the quality of this film and everything as we kind of talk about this, but uh, I don't know which one of you guys wants to to lead on this, um, uh, but uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I always defer to Brad.
3: <laughs> okay. Thanks, Troy. Uh, so, like, Sammy was asking, like, this is the first time I've seen this, but, you know, I've seen countless of Hong Kong crime films from the night. I feel like there's thousands of these films, um, and they all do something that makes them stand out in the crowd. Like you, you watch one of these random Hong Kong crime films and you're going to see something. You're like, I can't believe they did that. Or I've never seen that before, which is why it's one of my favorite genres because it, it always feels like all these guys are in the same room and they're like, Oh, you did that. So I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this just the top of you, you, uh, which makes it such a, such a fun genre. Um, I, I, I have to say, the the director has a very weird fetish with airplanes landing on runways. There are a lot of establishing <laughs> shots where just planes are landing on the uh, runway, just big uh, commercial airplanes, which I just found funny. But, you know, I, I think for the first hour, this one didn't really have me. It's a lot of double crossing and triple crossing and just that corrupt in the police force or customs or whatever it's a lot of that trope that we've seen a hundred thousand times um and i i was okay with everything i thought you know this is totally serviceable and then it gets to the last half an hour and then i was like i think this might be my favorite movie i've ever seen in my entire life just because of the last hour um because it just decides that yeah you know we've held your hand for the last you know 60 minutes but this last 30 we're just gonna take it off the rails and it does (laughs) um we'll get to everything that happens i you know the the gunplay is nice in this um the the there there's a few fight scenes in the first hour that are pretty good you know nothing that like really blows me away um until you get to the last bit of the film like it really makes a turn that you kind of have to see to believe in a, in a way um but it really sold me on on that because i wasn't completely bought in until the last little bit and i i gotta say i i finished this immediately went back to like the 50 minute mark and was like we're gonna we're gonna run this back because i want to see this again yeah um because I was like, did i did I miss something? Because I don't think this is like the best I, again, like this is like a they made this for like no money. So like the editing's not the best. and the YouTube uh, rip that I saw was the quality was okay, but yeah. the subtitles were pretty bad. Oh yeah, there was spelling <laughs> mistakes and stuff like weirdly, the way they they wrote things made it a little bit confusing. But that's not the fault of this of this film. I, I feel um, I was,
2: like a, I feel like that quality on the youtube uh, quite honestly it's it's probably the same quality that you would have seen if you caught this thing on VHS or something of that nature when it when it came out yeah. it's not terrible it's yeah. not terrible no it, it, it feels like a standard DVD issue
3: but like i that's how I remember watching these is like with a yeah. with a grain to them and yeah. that's kind of how I appreciate them the most like I don't want them to look too pretty like I appreciate all the 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 restoration that they're doing but a part of me is like, but I like it to look dirty.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it feels very much the YouTube rip, especially. It feels very grindhouse. It's a lot of white pops and snaps. Yeah, and, yeah, and things yeah. like that. But it's never not watchable. That's the the thing I'll say about that YouTube. Copy. It's nice.
2: Yeah, that that Blu-ray edition is gorgeous. But even even what they're doing with these '90s that they're putting on Blu-ray, they clean them up, but they don't they don't wash out all that grain and it still has a little bit of the soft um, colors to it with the grindhouse effect, everything. But I mean, for, for people who don't mind a couple of commercials popping up on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a great way to watch the film to be quite Yeah. Honest.
3: I mean, and it, I'm, it's a free way to watch the film. Cause it's, this one is very hard to get your hands on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I will say I, I will save most of my stuff until we decide When we want to talk about the last act of this film.
1: Well, I mean, we'll be able to talk about it because it's not a uh, spoiler, so to speak. I mean, there's really not much to spoil in this movie. It's basically a good guy versus bad guy, cop, kind of heroic bloodshed kind of movie, except it just for whatever reason, Andrew Cam at the end decided, I'm just going to try to put everything that I've ever thought about into one sequence. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it builds up to it, though. It does. Um, it does. Yeah, it's you You get you get a really interesting garage shootout in the first 15 minutes. I mean, this film does, I think, what most of the Hong Kong films would have done at this time period. And it was every 10 or 15 minutes. It's going to try to do a stunt or do something to keep you going. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is about uh, arms deal gone bad. People double double crossing each other. <laughs> but in the, in the first 15 minutes you get this crazy um garage uh shootout where lots of people are dying innocent people. <laughs> yeah. So it you should know right then there's going to be tons of collateral damage to this type of film. But the thing as as crazy as that last 30 minutes are I really appreciate the stunt work that's on display especially with some of these falls that they're doing. So um, Ridley Tui was one of the stunt coordinators and, uh, on the Blu-ray, they have a great interview with him. But if you think about some of the falls and everything that they filmed, especially the, the first big one where you have a guy, um, falling off the roof of a building, going through a sign to hit the top of a car, mm-hmm. which kicks off this ridiculous car chase, which I think is really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that fall is incredible, um, from a stunt perspective. And then you have another one where Simon Yam gets launched through a window into a pool from like five or six stories, which again is amazing. That
3: one was unbelievable. Yeah. Like how these
2: people are not dead. This is a great example. (laughs) And, And we're not even talking the last 30 minutes. But if if you look at all of this stunt work and stuff that are leading up, it's every 10 or 15 minutes somebody's getting kicked in the face, there's a shootout. <laughs> yes. Somebody's getting thrown off a building. Yeah. Um it's very busy, but I I think it's one of those films that as soon as you get to the last 30 minutes, you forget about everything that happened because the last 30 minutes is just all kinetic action. Yeah. And it, and it is the quintessential like Hong Kong action film.
1: Yeah. So well, it, I, it riffs on the I, American Western too, which is what the I wrote down.
3: Did. I wrote down the plot according to Wikipedia, because I thought it was funny after I watched it. It says a Hong Kong cop's wife seeks revenge after the abduction of her daughter by a ruthless <laughs> munitions, munitions dealer. It's <laughs> like that's not really the plot at all. No, not that's, unless yeah, that's
1: your last 30 minutes. <laughs> not, not unless you're selling it as a moon Lee movie. That's the yeah. only way, which, you know, it probably could have been repackaged and sold as that at some point. You know that Simon Yam fall into the pool. That's interesting. You bring that up because it made me think. There's another person who falls in the pool, and I'm not. I'm never sure who that is that jumps in the pool on the other side. Oh yeah, that's a good
2: point. I don't know. It just. <laughs> I jumping in, and Simon Yam's coming five stories in to hit that pool, <laughs> I, and uh, it's it's one of those falls where it's not like a dive or anything. It's literally it looks like somebody got thrown out of a building and he lands pretty much on his back into the pool Yeah,
1: into an already made pool, like not a specially made pool for movies into yeah. possibly an eight foot deep pool, which, I mean, be- this, this
2: is the country who thought, Hey, let's just stack apple boxes <laughs> and then jump off a building into them and we'll be okay. Right. Yeah, nothing Throw a couple big. of mattresses on there. We're fine. <laughs> we are Yeah, hurt.
3: put a back pad on. You'll be totally fine. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry and, about it.
1: And like most Hong Kong movies, there's lots of little moments in this movie where People just do kind of off the wall little stunts. Um, there's a kind of a fall off the top of a. Is it a? There's not a. It's not a building, maybe, or maybe at the top of a, like a container or something.
3: There's a lot of shipping crate fights. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot of great shipping crate. This is a great shipping crate movie. If you're into shipping crates, if that's your thing. And hand grenades. Like hand grenades, there was yes. a sale on hand grenades. Oh my god! They, they well, use I, a lot of them in here. And rocket yes. launchers. The rocket launchers they used almost Andy Sidaris type effect. As a matter of fact, they even cut at one moment to the actual visual of the rocket flying through the air, which is so pretty great.
2: I, I like that comparison. This this does feel like an Andy Sidaris film mixed with Cheng Che violence uh, yeah. uh, and gore, um, but taken very seriously versus sort of cheesy. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's pretty much what you're getting out of this.
1: Yeah. I mean and it 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 has all of the tropes of movies of this era as well and uh you know obviously it's always fun to mention this stuff and I don't mean it I'm not shaming any director but it's just, it's always fun to go back and watch white people play muslims and uh <laughs> them decide to paint them uh which yeah. is which is interesting to say the least. A
3: little brown face, you know. <laughs> it
1: was ladies it's okay over there okay <laughs> but it's just it is interesting to go back and watch this stuff and 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 see it and you know the the thing is with me watching this this time and i'm sorry i will get back to brad here um i had a trouble identifying simon yam at first and i almost identified him as danny lee and that made me feel slightly weird inside because <laughs> i never <laughs> thought danny lee and simon yam looked alike in any way shape or form but Simon Yam, he's an interesting actor. His his face is, uh, well, he's a very handsome man. But it's changed over the years. Young Simon Yam just looks different than older, more elegant mm-hmm. Simon Yam. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's
2: funny you bring up, Dan, I mean, watching the other Ringo Lamb film with Danny Lee, it it felt like there was a time period where Simon Yam and, and Danny Lee were kind of going after the same part mm-hmm. every once in a while. They were playing that same sort of detective um that's just going rogue and can't get along with his partner etc but simon simon Yim's always good to me he just always ups the ante i i guess the question i would have for you guys on this one is is it, are there too many people in this like my my problem with this is you've got moon lee mm-hmm. and she's she is one of the best actresses out there i think i think she rivals um you know people like michelle Yo. Um, in terms of what they can do. I mean, a lot of people talk about Michelle Yeoh, but it's like, okay, have you have you seen Moon Lee's filmography? Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's so much going on in this film, and you have one of the best people in the industry at kicking somebody in the face, mm-hmm. and she only gets one little fight scene, and the rest is sort of gun-fu at the end of the film. Um, and with having so many people in here, like, like Simon e and Moon Lee, and, and jumping back and forth, you have two villains in here, too. Mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like there, there's, there wasn't a breathing room for everybody to kind of show off their stuff. Yeah, now, the last three minutes is amazing, but I feel like um, it lacks a little bit of focus. Uh, it does
3: feel a little convoluted and, and a little congested for me with just how many people are in it, and you're not really spending a lot of time with anybody then they kill off a character and you're like, I I wish it had a little bit more impact to me, but we barely knew that guy. So it doesn't feel great. And like, to be fair, the other person they kill, we don't really know them very well. They, you know, they spent like a scene or two establishing uh, that person. Um, do I, can we just talk about it? Yeah, yeah, can yeah. Let's talk, talk about it. it. Let's talk okay. about yeah,
2: it. There, there's one death in here that I think it means something, but only because it's the nature of, Yeah, the they, I mean,
3: and look, Troy, you've known me for how long? A, a long like time. Like 15 years. You know, if you kill a kid, you are getting me on board and they shoot a little girl. <laughs> Jose, in the <laughs> well, here's the reason why it's because it it just ratchets up the stakes yeah if you kill a kid in your film it just means anyone can die and i i kind of like that you're like going for it and at first they they hold this little girl outside of this car and it's there's this car chase that is phenomenal yeah just because this little girl is kicking her feet out and like or being supposed to be being held by her hair. Yes, and it's it's an amazing car chase.
1: Mm-hmm. Even even she, without she the little girl, yeah. she
3: survives that.
1: Yeah, even without her hanging out of the car, it's still an amazing car chase.
3: Yeah, and then and then me, I'm like, okay, okay, she's a she's a little girl. She survived the car chase. That was pretty <laughs> insane. She'll be totally fine. No, he just turns and shoots her in the heart and she is dead. And that's like not Batman. even, that's not even the craziest thing. A guy jumps off a cliff and just explodes because he has a bomb strapped. In. Like it is unfreaking believable. I, I just love the last bit of this because you think, wow, I never thought I'd <laughs> see that. And then you have to say that again the ne- in like five more minutes because something else happens. And then they, rocket launcher this helicopter and it cuts to a little model helicopter blowing up and it's it's just I I don't know man I I was not sold on this at the beginning but afterwards I text you guys I was like wow the last 30 minutes of this movie is something and it is something for sure
1: (laughs) it is that is the uh, there's a couple notes I got the um, that is the most that is an obscene amount of dynamite Yeah, I I mean, that is a cartoon-esque, like, that is like Wally Coyote setting up a booby trap type of level of dynamite. The
3: best part, though, is like, (laughs) it's not just enough to blow the guy up, but then you have to, like, you know, splash people with his blood, too.
1: It's great. And, uh, you know, they even, I mean, they are totally taken from the, like, the Warner Brothers, like, cartoons in a lot of ways, because they're sawing the rope, and it's breaking apart strand by strand on the little girl. And again... I bring up a cult actor, Mike Abbott, Mike Abbott is the one who it's, it's hilarious. He, He grabs the little girl. He just starts laughing. And then from pretty much the majority of the car chase, no matter what is taking place. And even when they're losing during the car chase, he is still laughing. It's very bizarre. And he's holding her the whole time. All I can think to myself is if I hold a Coke can out for an extended period of time, you know, it's like a, it's like a jackass dare for my old ass. But, you know, like I've never sore.
3: Going to a trial like this, an Oktoberfest, and they had a beer stein. Hold oh, they had one yesterday. Where yeah, you hold it, hold, hold it out, it. straight arm, and you have to see how long you could do it. Yeah. I mean, you hold that thing for <laughs> minutes on end, your arm just starts shaking, and you can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. At least my weak ass. And then the next know, day, but, oh,
1: yeah. your arm and shoulder are sore because you've used muscles that you don't normally use. Here he is holding this little girl. Who I mean, probably, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> usually, usually the... Uh, You know, I mean, the idea of holding this little girl up for this extended period of time is insane. It's just insane. The idea to even talk someone's parents into allowing this to happen is also insane. Um, It's just a different way of thinking. And Hong Kong was just doing this kind of stuff in this era. They were just trying to compete with big movies and they needed people to get, you know, butts in seats. And they were just doing whatever they could do. No holds barred category 3 films, everything else. They were just doing whatever they could and churning out these crazy movies. And this is one of them. And Mike Abbott again, we talked about him with Final Score and stuff. He's a very popular part of of uh, our kind of history as a podcast. Here he's he's got a like a banana yellow tank top on and some some gym sh- uh, sweatpants and he's flexing his muscles and you know he's a very English gentleman. He's actually a clown for kids parties now in Hong Kong. There's an interview on one of our one of our DVDs where somebody met up with him and thinking Hong Kong or whatever where he's still living uh, as a performer for kids parties. What a career! What a strange career. Um, but his moment is great too. It 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 almost turns into like a horror film. It's yeah. like you know what is going on, and just when you think. The great thing about that last 30 minutes, and, and Brad was talking about having to go back and look at it, just when you think things couldn't get... I mean, that is the craziest stunt in the movie. There's no doubt about it because there's a kid involved and a crazy turn of events. But just when you think they can't get enough, they go to this sand pit area and just decide to go insane. With as much just car... hand grenades. Hand grenades... People flying through the air, rocket launchers, helicopter explosions, car explosions everywhere. No thoughts of safety. Those helicopters are within yards of each other, yeah. you know, and this is post-Twilight Zone. I mean, this is just insane. And all, all you have is Simon. EM.
3: Baxley's, like, just going nuts. He's just <laughs> like, I love this film so much. <laughs>
2: yeah, that, and, and Simon E.M.'s in this helicopter, and his only dialogue is go faster and go lower. <laughs> That's what he says like eight times.
1: More danger.
2: <laughs> more, more danger. danger. Yeah.
1: More danger. We need more danger. But it it's it's a great uh one of the great things about that back end of that film is the um the very much the western uh influence of it. You can almost feel it in that spaghetti western kind of way where you know shit's going to go down. Now our leads are wearing darker colors. Uh, Obviously, Moon Lee is not the happy-go-lucky mom she was um, post-child hanging out of a car. Mm -hmm. And things have changed. But you really can't be prepared for how much chaos is going to take place in that last, especially that last 10 or 15 minutes. It's just, it's nuts. They shot
2: her daughter in the (laughs) heart right in front of her. Like I said, watching this film, I don't know, days after watching Vernon Wells, like, put a hand grenade with, with some little girl that just got baptized and watching her blow up. I mean, Hong Kong was really trying to kind of go, we're going we're gonna to do the stuff that maybe you read about in the newspapers, but you wouldn't put in the film mm-hmm. um, from all these terrorist acts or whatnot. We're, we're going to show that to you. And so it, it's, it's weird because it almost makes the violence a little cartoony. And and I like your analogy, the Wiley e. Coyote. But at the same time, it does up the ante because yes. you're you're so accustomed to seeing all the western, uh, the westernized action films, where like, okay, the the women and children are usually not going to be harmed, but everybody dies in these films. Yes. So um, you just you if if you haven't been exposed to Hong Kong action films, especially this time period, and this is like one of the first ones you come to. I'm sure you're going to have a little bit of shell shock, 100%.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. I have no doubt you're going to be like, wow, that was something. And again, yeah. the, how I came across this film is was a bit of a kind of a Danny Lee thing. Uh, Troy, It's funny that Troy watched this because I didn't know they released these Danny Lee films suddenly. But I went through a Danny Lee phase of bootlegging films after The Killer. And uh, I would seen the uh, film that troy mentioned earlier and this one and a couple others and i never thought this would ever see the light of day on any kind of actual release maybe there's a dvd of it out there but i don't think i ever saw the dvd i think i saw a bootleg tape but i remember then even telling people years ago that they hung a kid out of the car and they're like no they didn't it was a fake they just did a close-up like no this isn't fake (laughs) You can't
2: doing 50 plus miles per hour. She is kicking and screaming <laughs> now the way, the way they did it. So, uh, man, I just, <laughs> I don't know how Air 4444 does these releases. Like I, 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 I hope they do another pressing of this Blu-ray, but there's an amazing, uh, just, I, I want to say 15, 20 minute interview with the stunt coordinator, uh, really sweet. And you can tell the interviewer is dying to just get to this question. Like, Okay, explain the car chase sequence. So what they did was apparently they had just taken the steel bar and welded it to the interior of the car. They hook her up to a harness, and then they put like this jacket so that you can get um, Mike Abbott's arm through it. So Mike Abbott's arm is holding her hair, And it looks like he's holding her, but there's really a steel bar in that jacket arm sleeve, and she's on a harness. And you're thinking, okay, well, maybe they were just going 20 miles per hour, 10 miles per hour, and they're speeding the film up. No, I I mean Ridley's like, no, we were doing like 50, and uh, we we made sure to show the parents so that they knew the girl was safe. But then we were just like, uh, hey, it's it's 5 a.m. in the morning. Traffic is gonna start picking up here in Hong Kong in an hour or two. So we only have a little bit of time, let's just gun it. And so they're going down these roads with her attached to this with with Mike Abbott holding her hair and uh this girl is just flailing about um like crazy. Uh but it was it was a really interesting solution to how they were going to do that with and mind you Moon Lee is on the hood of this car, yes, pounding the wheel the windshield and then she eventually breaks it to throw one guy out of the car which is a a rough landing. And then I I love the fact that Mike Abbott just pulls the brake and Moon (laughs) Lee and the, and the driver go flying out of the car. uh, And it looks awfully painful. Uh, That, that entire stunt sequence, it's, it would go down in the top 10 craziest stunts of Hong Kong cinema ever.
3: They hung a baby (laughs) out the window of a car. Like she's like nine. I don't care. Like not, she's not nine Troy. Uh, oh, yeah think I, so? I, th- I thought I
1: she was know. like eight or nine years old no now.
3: she's like five or six at tops yeah she's itty bitty
1: okay. all i know is at some moment i almost started feeling guilty because it looks like she is truly terrified
2: well yeah they were <laughs> she they were going
1: like 50 miles per hour and she's just attached his harness and so much stuff so many things can go wrong there yeah absolutely what, what if the car has a flat tire yeah just think about that what if what if <laughs> Yeah, the car rolls yeah what if what if they get too close to a mailbox? Not that there's any mailboxes around, but what if? <laughs> I mean, there's just it goes with those same falls. I mean the the fall of
2: being thrown off an apartment building, hitting that big old white sign before you hit the uh, um, top of a car. I mean, they had to hit that sign just right, and then he's going through the fluorescent bulbs and everything else at a at a pretty good you know velocity. There are so many of these little stunts outside of the big stunts where the fact that people walked away from those i mean I, I agree with you both the last 30 minutes are just insane but you you have to appreciate the stuff leading up to oh, it oh no no the whole that movie's car chase sequence when um like the top of the car gets ripped off and he's still driving that thing around is super impressive as well.
1: Well, he re- he must rip the roof of that car off because it gets smashed in. And then he's like, I'm going to chase them. I'm going to find them. And the next time, you know, they cut to him. In almost Burt Reynolds-esque type humor, he has no hood on the car. And he's driving down this road. Yeah. It's pretty great. I'm not
3: advocating for people to get hurt or be worse. But it really ratchets up a film when you can see the danger that's involved. Mm-hmm. It does. Which we never it maybe rightfully so like people don't need to be put in that much danger, but like when you sign up to be a stunt person, I feel like, you know, what is the possibility, but I just miss the danger and feeling danger in stunts. You know, I know they plan them out very well and, and hopefully no one gets hurt, but there is this visceralness to things when, you know, there's a possibility that people can get hurt. Now I hope no one does get hurt, but the fact that it could happen tenses things up quite a bit. Like seeing a, I mean, I don't want to see a baby like outside of a car, but
2: you Whatever. know, other. You, you just said you love when kids get killed.
3: <laughs> I do, I do. But like seeing the guy like fall through the the the, the sign and then down yeah. onto the car, like you know, like the thought process of that is like, hey, you've got to hit this sign first because if you don't, there's nothing that's going to slow you down until you hit that car. So like all the thought that goes into it in knowing just how dangerous it is when you see it executed and you know that the guy's okay. I don't know. It just, there's, that's like craftsmanship to me.
2: There's an athleticism. Even that, even in the garage shootout sequence, um, I was watching it again. I think I've seen this thing three times over the week, but uh, there's, there's one guy who gets shot off the hood of a car Ends up doing this spin and lands on the floor. Yeah, it's super painful. But you you know that's an you know probably a peaking acrobatic uh, background that allows him to do that. There's another there's another in, in that same shootout where a guy pretty much kind of jumps through the window of a van to kind of get out of the way. Sort of through and it looks super painful. But there's all these little things that are happening in that that shootout in the background where you're like, okay, that looked like it hurt. And squids are going off and everything else. And, and people are just falling down all over the place in, in just the most unique way. Um, there's so much chaos going on. But again, I think some of that stuff gets overshadowed because once you get to the last 30 minutes of film, you totally forgot about that. Yeah.
3: Well, I also uh, noticed in, in that they shoot the bad guy in the calf and then they show him the next time and it's in his thigh. You're like, wait a minute. I thought you got shot in the calf. I noticed uh, that the second time. It's fine. Details. It a little fine. continuity error. Never hurt anybody.
1: Whatever. Well, I mean, this the, I will say this movie does have that that curse a little bit of Asian cinema in this period, which is, you know, you're cranking them out. So it's it's pretty blunt getting things across. There's a lot of shortcuts taken to move from plot A to plot B and stuff. So I think that's why, Brad, honestly, I think in that first 30 or 40 minutes, although there is some good stunt work in the first 30 or 40 minutes and some good action. There's also, it's also kind of clunky. I mean, it's not, it's not re it's not reinventing the wheel or anything with any of its story beats, but it just kind of jumps around all over the place. And for a minute, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, well, those stunts are pretty impressive, but why is this movie kind of a cult film? And then the stunt happens, the stunt. And you're like, Oh, I see what's going on now. So, I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but is it a perfectly insane movie? Yes. <laughs> it's a perfectly insane movie. And it reminds me of the Indonesian cinema that we talk about on this show a lot, like stabilizer and, and yeah. uh final score and films like that. And that it just felt like for a while there, people were just trying to one up each other. They were just like, what is the craziest thing we can do? I got an idea. We'll jump a motorcycle into a helicopter out of a two story house Let's, let's what's the worst that can happen. <laughs> People may die, but we'll figure it out, you know, and it just, it, 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 it was a glorious time in cinema history. And I got to believe like part of me has to believe that maybe Hal Needham was watching those films toward the end of his life and was like, man, these guys got to figure it out.
2: <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it, I agree with Brad. You, you do miss it. The green screen is fantastic at, at creating these visuals. You've never seen before but the over-reliance on the green screen for the stunt work, um, I think has really hurt action cinema to, to a degree. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. But, but don't get me wrong. I mean, the, what probably would have made this film even better would have been a few mannequin deaths. Uh, I think that would have added a little <laughs> bit more charm to it <laughs> instead of actually trying to kill people. I do have <laughs> a,
1: qu- I do have a question for you both. Two questions. One serious, one not so serious. Um, I'll go with the not so serious first. Do we know what kind of critter the fur rug was in the apartment? Oh, Ooh,
3: I, I did notice that.
2: I have no. I, I thought it was like a Frankenstein of all critters well, I think <laughs> it may, stitched together. Looked like a beagle. <laughs>
1: <It> well, <was. laughs> it. it was the smallest rug in the middle of their apartment living room, and it was just like, like this little sh- animal squirrel. pelt. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. It was probably
2: something they killed in the backyard,
1: and they're like, hey, "Yeah, yeah it'll make it would make a nice rug." Probably something Simon Yam fell on one of his falls. Uh the other thing, and we've talked about this, and, and this is we're not the first podcast, and we won't be the last podcast to talk about this. We typically talk about this with other genres as well. But will we ever see films like these again? Do we think we'll ever see films like these again? Yeah, I know John Wick is John Wick, and I know people love it, and some people think it's some of the most insane stuff they've ever seen, but I haven't seen a John Wick film, so I can't confirm nor deny. I'm sure this don't work is fine. I'm sure it's t- totally fine.
2: We've talked uh, about it. I I love John Wick films. They're for me the the only the only thing I miss. Is, so if you take this film versus the latest John Wick film which has I
3: think the, we're going to I think we're going to say the same thing, Trish. So I'll I'll let you go.
2: go. Okay. Yeah, I I I I think we've talked about this before. It's a little too clean. Mm-hmm. The chore- the choreography looks great, mm-hmm. but it it reminds me more of a MGM musical versus some of these Hong Kong films where, uh, you know, that and I'm, I'm sure everybody knows this, so I'm not saying anything new. But when they're putting baby powder on their bodies to sell the hits to the audience um, and it looks it looks sloppy, it looks messy and there and there's something with that um, screaming, uh, you, you know, how Mike Abbott kind of dies in this very horrific way <laughs> they're, they're kicking him and everything and they can't move him. And then all of a sudden he's just freaking out and you see all that sweat and blood and everything else. And he just pushes him to the point that he gets impaled. Yeah. Um, in a John Wick film, there would have been like 17 little flippies and spin moves and everything else. And then, and then he would have like uh, impaled him or something of that nature. Yeah. It would have been much more clean.
3: Yeah. The, the Wick stuff just feels too polished and it feels like they spent a year choreographing all of the moves and i like it when you're you're watching it but there's no improvisation there's no it doesn't feel natural it feels like people have rehearsed something for a long period of time um here you know people get dirty and it it feels like they're they're doing more with less if Mm -hmm. that makes sense like You don't need a fight scene that goes on for fifteen minutes. Give me a good solid one that's three to five minutes. Make it, you know, multi-level where we're going up to, you know, we're we're on top of these crates now, and we're doing this and we're doing that. I I don't know. Like the, I love John Wick, but I I just always have felt like, man, that's impressive. But it should be because you took so much time to do it. Why don't we just get two guys and the camera guy and come up with something cool and do it and see how it you know, see how it comes together.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll point out a fight scene in here between Moon Lee and, uh, Coe mm-hmm. when, you know, it's after the, the big stunt with the kid and she goes up against him and then two other guys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's maybe a minute or two, but it, it showcases Moon Lee's face kicking ability and she's really great in it. Yeah. But she takes some hits from Philip Co mm-hmm. that looks super painful and, and she sells those. So a great example is, again, the John Wick films are a ton of fun. I love them. But to me, Moon Lee can sell a punch more so than Keanu Reeves in, in a certain degree when you look at just that one minute or so you know, two in this film compared to the latest John Wick film of him getting beat up and thrown out of a building, et cetera. And in the latest John Wick, he, I think, towards the end, jumps out of a building and hits a car or something and gets up. And clearly, it's an impressive stunt enhanced by CGI, yeah. but there's something about it that it doesn't have the impact of when people are just uh, getting smacked around and thrown around in a movie like this.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I often think about it, and I think you guys nailed it when you say There's just something more gritty, more physical, and more real about Hong Kong cinema. Pretty much from the late 60s all the way to the mid to late 90s. And maybe even more so into the 2000s. I mean, there's been... What was like
3: Infernal Affairs? Was that like 2000, but a little bit
1: later too with the sequels? Well, even stuff like Paradox, the film Troy pushed on everybody. I mean, that film's very physical in a lot of ways. But again, you're talking about old school stunt coordinators that are working and doing that stuff. And I think the reason why people were so fascinated with Ong Bak when it came out was because it was a return to more of that physical activity, whereas everything had been so gussied up and prettied and choreographed. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those action films. Trust me. I I love a lot of those movies, but they're more akin to watching. For some
3: reason, you've never seen John. (laughs) John. No,
1: well, it's because for me, I got to be in the mood for me. They're more akin to musicals than they are action films because they're really just moments and dance sequences and set pieces and there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally fine. I'm, you know, I'm down with that. I, I like a lot of those films, but I never really feel any real danger. Like I do, even in a clean Donnie Yen film, I feel more energy than I do in a Hollywood gussied up action film.
3: Yeah. I, to, to answer your question, though, I, I don't know. I feel like if we made a film, it would be like this. But people are always inspired by stuff that happened before. So you you never know someone 10 years from now could be like, I loved 1990s Hong Kong crime cinema when I was growing up. I don't know how I got into it, but I did. So I wanted to make films like they did. You, you never know what inspiration people will 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 use so I don't know I can say never, but it's starting to feel very unlikely.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah. I, I'm holding out hope. It's like someone will use this genre as their muse, but I don't know.
2: It it doesn't have to be I mean Jackie Chan is the modern Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd. I mean that's those are the films that inspired him hmm. more so than you know any of any of the kung fu genre. He looked at the old classic um comedians and even their stunt work and trying to incorporate that within his films. But I, I don't think we're going to see a return none of this is being passed down. I mean, especially in, in Hong Kong, a lot of these guys were coming out of Peking opera school.
3: Yeah. But but like, just think about how easy this stuff is to obtain. Now, when we were younger, now I'm a little bit younger than you. You can
2: can see the final product, but I think there's a lot of stuff that goes in behind the scenes
3: but you can also learn about, about that stuff too. I mean, that stuff is on the internet and there's videos about how they do. I know it's different, but like the, the accessibility of information is a lot more. Informa- now, to it's me, too information much, but well, you have to funnel it down.
2: Having information only gets you so far. I, I'm thinking about a documentary that came out. Um, gosh, it, it, it wasn't too long ago, but it was Kung Fu Stuntman. It came out of Hong Kong. And they were going back interviewing like Sammo Hung, stuff like that. Um, I think uh, it was from 2021, but they show some of the modern stunt people working in today, and it looks like hot garbage. Mm. So the the first part of that documentary is really interesting because they're going back and talking about um, Oh, Scott Atkins comes to your house and kicks your ass. But hey, hey, Scott Atkins is a great martial artist. Scott Atkins is not a great stunt coordinator or a great stunt person. Um, that, that's my point is that having great choreography skills, will get all of the John Wicks all day long. It'll be nice, slick choreography. I don't think we're going to see this eighties, nineties, um, cinema anymore. A because the industry won't allow it for, for risk purposes, but B there is a trade that is being lost as these, um, icons pass on.
3: I mean we should probably let you talk on your own podcast so keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean you're not wrong though. I mean it it it's the trade has changed and um actually you know Scorsese talks about this with filmmaking in general that a lot of the trade has changed and films may suffer from that. Yeah, as you know, we have turned more to content creators than we have to narrative filmmaking, and it is a concern. Oof, it is that's
3: a, a concern. dystopian. I do not want to listen. No,
1: no, I know, I know. I mean, let's be honest. the The best stuntmen that are working in media right now are jackass guys, are yeah. are uh, YouTube guys, and that's mm-hmm. that's a. Uh, that's kind of sad. They're not trained people. <laughs> There's Some of those people, well, some of them are trained, but some of those people, the some of the jackass guys, I think, are trained. I think Johnny Knoxville's actually considered a stuntman. I think he might actually be a member of the guild and everything. But um, if not, he should be. But, uh, you know, some of these people are just, you know, a couple kids who just decide one day, hey, let's go try to jump this bike over this car into this pit of lava and let's see what happens, you know. And uh, that that is... You know, kind of sad that it's kind of come to that and it's kind of lost its art form a little bit, but you know, that's where this stuff is happening now. I just, I always think about that because I, again, for me, it always comes back to the glory years of American cinema, which is the 70s and the early 80s when I think story was more important than a spectacle. And there's nothing wrong with spectacle. Don't get me wrong. I love going to the movies and seeing spectacle, but I love stories as well. And I'd like to see a lot of that stuff come back. And, Maybe we'll see this come back, but I highly doubt it. I'm, I hate to be negative, but I think this But no is, one's
3: going to come and take your stuff that you already no, have. No
1: no no. no, no, no. Nobody's saying that, but I think... I know,
3: think but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I'm 40 years old. I've never seen this film, and there's hundreds more like it that I haven't seen, that I will come across... True. It will be new to
2: me. There is. So I don't know if you guys um, have watched... Uh, I think it's Marshall Club. Is this group of guys that do these, like, short videos, and they're, like, homages to... A lot of '80s, '90s Hong Kong films. Actually, I think a couple of them ended up um, in the uh, Marvel uh, Shang Chi film. Hmm. So uh, they are making a living within like Hollywood choreography and action. But if you go to if you go to YouTube, you can search up like Marshall Club, and they've got highlight reels or they do these little skits that very much reminiscent of like Samuel Hung, Yim Biao, Jackie Chan days of of martial arts fighting I
3: believe there's a Shaw Brothers film called Martial Club I want to say
2: I think so um, but yeah these and I can't remember the, the individuals um, who are part of it but it you see promise and go okay if these guys could get backing if these guys could do something from a full movie and give them creative control I'm sure they could get some product out there but I just I don't know I, I hate saying this I, I feel like there's um there's not enough people that are younger that are into this the way that maybe we are too
1: Mm. it's a valid point it's a valid point uh you know I, i i don't know i think that stunt work could make a comeback i just i don't know everything i've seen over the last few years and i've seen some great action cinema there's still some great action cinema being made uh, some of it, though, is still being made by some of the great action choreographers of all time. I mean, you guys talked about Master Z and and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we're talking about Yun Woo-Ping. We're talking about Sam hung I mean, these guys, they were there at the beginning. So what happens when those guys are gone and they're getting close to being gone?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping, I, I hope we're all wrong. There's a huge resurgence. Somebody comes along and says... Uh, I was inspired by these, and here's this new wave of film that comes now watch out. Watch me shoot world. this baby in the heart. <laughs> yeah, watch watch me uh, throw this kid off a building. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I mean, cor- pound for oh. pound, I think Korea is coming out with some of the better action films right now. It's not Hong Kong anymore
3: well they have to get everything approved i mean it's there's so much red tape for something to come out now
2: i, I know i it's it's kind of crazy and then even yeah it's just, it's just different it's it's in a totally different environment um this this whole i don't know cinema coming out of hong kong specifically late 70s probably through late 90s i i don't know if we're ever going to see it again hmm very
3: interesting. shout out to the guy in this film that gets uh killed by the crane hook too we didn't mention that, but
1: oh um, the impaling yeah yes <laughs> yeah, this movie's uh, secretly very vicious it's It's awesome <laughs> uh okay, well, you know normally we we kind of turned this into a not a bomb show where we all just kind of talked, and I kind of like that, <laughs> but I'm gonna go over to Troy and see if he wants to add anything to this conversation no um, it's uh, um
2: <laughs> i like I like your all the little references that you pulled out with the Andy Sidaris, the Wiley e. Coyote—I mean, yes, it has all of that, which makes it a lot of fun. Um, and and you'll love it for the last thirty minutes. Uh, I, I think the stuff leading up up to there is good. The only takeaways is, I mean, it's it's just crowded. You to me, you it, you don't get enough Moon Lee in my opinion. You don't get enough Simon Yam. he's, he's in there for a sequence, then he goes away. Then he gets thrown out of a window, and then, oh, what happened to him? Oh, he's in a helicopter now. So, um, And Robin's show as a bad guy is okay, but um, I almost feel like there's one too many bad guys in here too. Once you get Philip Coe, who else do you need? Yeah, I know. You need on. anybody else. Just concentrate on him to be the, the big bad guy, and, and you're fine. But that, that's my only takeaway from it is it, it feels a little crowded
3: well then you you forget about also the the bad guys and the uh, the white guys in brown face they're the bad, bad guys too
2: oh yeah I guess so there's, there's like three a- sets of bad guys yeah. yeah but i I love it It's a great film it just it it the only takeaway is it's a little overcrowded and yeah. i I think that's where that clunkiness comes from in the beginning, them trying to juggle all those different roles and people,
1: yeah, I mean that's a good point, I think the movie. It moves along at a pretty good clip. It's not over long, which is a nice touch as well. I think that helps. Um, it's pretty short, but I do. Agree, I, I partially agree with what Troy says uh, with about the the front end, and then I partially agree with what Brad says. I mean, the, there are some moments where it's almost like one too many conversations. Like I mean, basically, it's we got you know a corrupt customs agent. I don't know how many times we got to have this conversation. One cop who sees through it, another cop who who wants to see past it, all that kind of stuff going on. It does feel like there's like one too many scenes of that going on. Um, but for the most part, this is like a fun little action movie that really just needs to be seen. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that, uh, even to this day, this thing is kind of underseen in a way. Yeah. And, uh, even though it does have an official release now, um, it's crazy to me that uh I mean, obviously that release is sold out, but it's it's crazy to me that a lot of people still don't talk about this film, except for that one that one clip, right? That one clip that uh they never forget. <laughs> if if I'm looking so again, this was the
2: the movie that I it's how I discovered that error forty four forty-four. But if you go back and look at past releases, they'll do their initial release of a special edition because that's the one I grabbed or pre booked. And it looks like they come back later and just do a standard edition without the slipcover, et cetera. Mm. So what I would just encourage everybody to do is if, if you are like us and want to own this on Blu-ray, uh, definitely go to error444bigcartel.com. Like bookmark that and watch it. Join their mailing list um, and everything of that nature. I'm guessing just based on some other releases they did because everything on their website sold out. So it goes quickly but it does look like they would usually do a follow-up to the initial release, which is like a bare bones release.
1: Nice. It's good stuff. I'm glad you picked it to be honest with you, because it is totally a film we would talk about. No doubt about it for this show. (laughs) It's fun. It fits right in with everything we do. Okay. So we're going to go back and do the maker breaks, MVTs and scores. Last time you guys were around, you guys were pushing boundaries on scores on this show, changing the rules, flipping the script, doing all kinds of stuff. We'll see what happens this time. So, okay, so we got make or break, MVT, most valuable thing about the pitcher, and score. Brad. Troy, you're, you're up this time. Okay, I let Troy go first. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You
3: always make me go first. So you go first.
1: Uh, look, the make or break is the...
2: The thing we've talked about over and over again, which is this ridiculous car chase <laughs> with Moonly on the hood of the car pounding into the windshield and her daughter being held outside of it by uh, a very strong arm. And it is insane. Uh, but it it will be the thing when after you watch this film, you will go around and show everybody that YouTube clip. It's that good uh, with with the hope that they would go back and, and watch the entire film. So that that's my make or break. I, I'm gonna say the most valuable thing is Philip Coe. He's he's a great villain. Um, the fact that he does what he does in this film, like you know, shoot the daughter, <laughs> it's just <laughs> insane to me. But um, yeah, I, I think he overshadows Robin Robin Show, and all these films to me are dependent on having a really good big baddie, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's a great one. And so I, I think he's kind of the star of this film because he's, he's in it consistently. He does some just crazy stuff in it. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I love watching him being bad. Mm. My score. I'm not going to break your system. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give it a solid 7.25.
1: Nice. Nice. It's like, it's like, right. It's close to being almost warriors two good okay don't oh start with me. don't start <laughs> with me. Jeez. Uh,
3: okay All
1: right, let's Red. see
3: my make or break is uh shooting a girl in the heart <laughs> said it enough say it again it is just such a beautiful thing <laughs> uh, how are
1: we you gonna, are gonna you say
3: i have kids <laughs> i have kids and like uh yeah uh, yeah. My MTV is grenades. I, I just think they are the most important thing in this film because they throw them willy-nilly <laughs> all over the place yeah. during the last 30 minutes of this. And it is fantastic. Uh, I almost did rocket launchers, but grenades is, is good enough. Uh, My score, Troy, I'm going to go a little bit below you because I did not enjoy the first little bit of this as much. But I'm going to give it a solid 7 out of 10.
1: Nice. Nice. Fair score. Fair score, still close to Warriors two territory. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> you, you did not score that high enough. I, it's, look, it's it's a fact. Okay, it's a fact. Warriors two should have scored higher. Oh man. Uh, for our listeners, Troy listened to that episode and was not happy with my thoughts on Warriors 2. <laughs> Sent us very strongly worded. I was an
3: innocent bystander to that conversation, too. Yeah. And I was like, Would you guys just kiss and make up?
1: Yeah, Jose's been an innocent bystander to that conversation for a long time as well. So he'll yeah. love all this. Um, okay, MVT. Well, Troy's me. gonna
3: put that on your tombstone, <laughs> yeah, it
1: probably will be. Here lies Sammy, great <laughs> podcaster, great friend. Fucked up. Eight on the, 10. Yeah, eight out of ten. Nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> eight out of ten.
1: Hey, out there of 10. we go. I'll be like, come on, man. Come on. Uh, MVT. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, for me, I mean, it's just the stunt work in general. I mean, there's, there's a lot of standout people in the film. There's no doubt about that. But I just, I love the stunt work in general in the movie. And uh, so I have to give that the mvt because that's what makes this movie kind of stand out it's just balls to the wall uh make or break it is the stunt um i think i put down at one point that the make or break might be the audacity of the stunts (laughs) yes (laughs) because they are actually should be the parents of that little girl (laughs) yeah it should be (laughs) should be the most valuable thing
2: (laughs) and uh yeah
3: i mean she probably was compensated like 13 dollars for that too (laughs) like she got no money to put their life
2: in danger (laughs) I mean, I wonder how did she have PTSD after making that film?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if she's still around. If uh, I don't know if she works anymore or not. I, did, I didn't even look at her filmography.
3: Because she ride in cars anymore? Uh,
1: I was looking to see how many credits she. <laughs> well, she sees have.
3: men in yellow tank tops, does she freak out? She was. Oh, in the, she was
1: in Wild Search. Yeah, oh. she, she was in the heroic, in heroic trio. trio. Yeah. She only did eleven films. She by, left after heroic trio. That was it. I bet okay. she's got some good stories though. Anyway, um, I'll go with that. My score is the same as Troy, 7.25. Um, it's not nearly as good as Warriors 2 with an 8, but uh, it's close. Obviously,
2: obviously, <laughs> it's not as good as Warriors 2. I agree with you there.
1: <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's, it's a great action film and a great look at this era of action cinema, which, uh, yeah, Brad's right. I mean, we'll never we'll have these films forever and hopefully we'll have boutique labels that will keep uh, mastering these and keep these things in the general conversation and keep them out there and save these films because uh, even as much as America was a make a film, throw it away, throw it in a vault kind of process, Hong Kong, <laughs> they had a whole other process, which was make them, make them, make them, make them, em, whatever. didn't make any money, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to see it. Throw it away. So <laughs> many movies that are lost, unfortunately. Yeah, that we'll never see. Thousands. Yeah. So uh all right, that is the big show. I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and talking movies with me, man. It's always great. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. Our little corner of the podcast universe. Our little corner of the top fifty percent of podcast being listened to, maybe. <laughs> we were just gonna be texting during these two hours anyways to each other, so <laughs> This is just easier. Yeah, probably, probably. I'd be sending memes. For those who don't know, I'm a bit of a meme, memaholic behind the scenes. I love to send stuff to get these guys, mostly because I know these guys are like me. They're probably in a meeting of some sort. And like yes. I send stuff that they probably shouldn't be looking at. <laughs>
3: It's like phone goes, you know, like look down, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope this person next to me doesn't see what it just got sent to me.
2: That is my my phone gets turned down, face down all the time because of the stuff you send.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Jose says the same thing. It's like wow, (laughs) but then I'll get I'll I'll get uh, you know I get it too. I get it too. I get a little. I know we send our we send our share. (laughs) Yeah, so. But, uh, yeah, you guys kind of mentioned what you guys would be doing. And then, you know, uh, I don't really have much to say on our end because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I will say what we're doing because I know at least half of the Watch Skip Plus guys will be here next week. And uh, we're going to be talking about a movie. that I, Honestly, I got to be honest with you right now. I've never seen it. It's a yeah. Mike, Michael Dudikoff action movie. I think It's an action movie. I don't know. But uh, you guys
2: settled on that one.
1: Yeah, we settled on that one. Uh, okay. so we're going to be talking about river of death, which is, uh, you know, a subtle title to say the least. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it because I've never seen it.
3: Man, I think we've so. never seen river of death. Wow.
1: Never man. seen river of death. What a cast it's got too. Robert Vaughn, then Robert yeah. Vaughn in that film. Yeah. It got branded on
2: VHS at one
1: point. Yeah, Donald Pleasance, Herbert Loms in there. LQ Jones. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's got a cast, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, Dudikov had a uh, a bit of a career as a action star for a little while, definitely during the Canon VHS era.
2: Well, American Ninja and American Ninja Two are getting a Kino special edition Blu-ray release nice. in October. Sweet, gotta get those.
1: There is an actor in River of Death, and I'm not making this up. His name is Goliath David's. <laughs>
2: I'm officially changing my name.
1: <laughs> he plays the shaman and uh, there's no way Goliath Davids is his real name. There's no way that has got to be in some type of inside joke. Love that name must be some, he must be a native American actor. I'm, I'm being very presumptuous right now. And that's probably going to backfire on me in some way, <laughs> shape or form. Watch we get in there and he'll be Asian or something. Um. So that's what we're doing. Uh. And I, like I said, you guys already mentioned what you're doing. So. But I, well, I, I will be on the show. A week after that, you're on the show with
2: Michelle Meek doing uh, licorice pizza.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back. I'm actually buying a podcast light for that one <laughs> 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 so I can light myself so I don't look like a total amateur. <laughs> nice. Because uh, I've, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I've been doing this show with cameras with uh, everybody. Will and I still do it the old school way. But uh, so, you know, I might wake up and not even have my makeup on. But uh troy and everybody's always got a camera or some kind of light and they're well lit and i'm pretty dim where i'm at so
3: you can just see your silhouette
1: yeah you can see You're like my, dr claw my movie set up that 43 inch back there from everything i'm going through in my personal life yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a good time it's a good time but hey i can see
3: your monolith of a xbox series x back there yeah though.
1: yeah it's right next to it it's a TV. that's a 4k <laughs> though man <laughs> it's a 4k yeah. tv man i only paid 100 bucks for that tv uh, it's pretty nice, too, I gotta say. Uh, all right, that's all I got to say. Uh, again, great having you on. I will say adios. 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 Did everybody say adios? Did Troy say it at the same time?
3: Yeah, yeah we, he did
1: it. He
0: did
3: it. We said it
1: at the same time as me. Adios. Nice, nice, Troy. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Oh,